0: Hello, hello, welcome back to the Kick-Ass Stepmom podcast, or if you're new here, welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom podcast, 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 we're pumped to have you here. All right, so let's dive right into it. A few months back, I listened to an interview with today's guest on the Almost 30 podcast with Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. If you're not familiar with the Almost 30 podcast, I'd say it's quickly becoming one of my favorites, and it's not something I would usually listen to, but their episodes on spirituality and enmeshment to family and codependency and health have really been the catalyst to a lot of deep diving for me in the last several months and just open up some conversations that, yeah, I would have never really exposed myself to prior to discovering their episodes. I'm a huge fan, so I highly recommend that you check it out. Sidebar, you don't need to be under 30 to resonate with this podcast. In fact, the hosts are in their 30s. So uh, yeah, definitely check it out. But I found their interview with Terry Cole to be so impactful that I started to follow along and start to consume Terry's content right away. And Terry is all about boundaries. So she is a licensed psychotherapist, a global relationship and empowerment expert, and the author of Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to True Talk, Be Seen, Or sorry, I said that wrong. The Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. And her voice is actually the most soothing and comforting voice I have ever heard. So you're going to love it just even listening to her. So for over two decades, Terry has worked with a diverse group of clients that includes everyone from stay-at-home moms to celebrities to Fortune 500 CEOs. She just has this gift for making complex psychological concepts accessible and Actionable so that you can understand and make sustainable change in your life. She's just super, super relatable. And in this episode, we are talking about how society has taught women to be self sacrificing codependents, what it means to be codependent, the importance of looking at our past, aka cleaning out the basement, and truly understanding our behaviors and tendencies as an adult and our relationship patterns. Terry explains her term, high-functioning codependent, which is a term that I think a lot of you will relate to. Situations where stepmoms' codependency can result in a lot of resentment. Again, I think people can relate to that one. The aftermath of setting boundaries and what you can expect from people who are affected by the boundaries that you're setting. Her experience as a stepmom to three boys who lost their mother uh, before she came into the picture the 24 hour rule and how it prevents you from overcommitting, communication, mindfulness practices, setting boundaries with your partner. Like this is a jam-packed episode that could save you hundreds and hundreds of dollars in therapy. It's just really good. So the episode was really powerful and you know for me I always thought I had some pretty strong boundaries, but the work that I've been doing over the last year, I've realized just how far I have to go. And I was actually listening to another podcast the other day about the levels of personal growth and they use this analogy of like a Game Boy or Nintendo. And I'm dating myself here by saying Game Boy or Nintendo, but you get what I mean. You go through one level and you're like, okay, I beat it. Like you look at how far you've come and then you get to the next level and it's even harder. And you're like, wow, I didn't see this coming. I didn't know that this was here and there's more to do and more to do and so on. And I've realized that with my own personal growth. It's like the further you come, the more you realize just how far you can go in this journey, if you will. So, you know, I forget where I heard that analogy, but it was so good. And if I think about it, I will definitely share. But Terry's book, Boundary Boss, I highly recommend. It is a must read. Get yourself a copy. Get one for a friend. And after this episode, I would love to hear your biggest take homes and what hit home the most, because I know you're gonna have some major aha moments here. So come connect on Instagram at Jamie Scrimger come find Terry cool. We want to know what resonated the most. We also have an Instagram account for the kick ass step podcast. So be sure to come hang out there as well. Tag us with your biggest take homes. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app. This way, new episodes will be available to you right when they're ready and you won't miss a thing. Now, if you want to take this to the next level and really dive into your own boundary process, I did open up a section in the forum of the exclusive stepmom community for anyone who needs support or wants another perspective in creating their boundaries or just wants to kind of, you know, bounce some ideas off other stepmoms and me. So if you're a member, you can find it in the forum. If you're not a member, As of today, you can join for less than 26 cents a day. So it is not expensive. It's insanely cheap. It's priced so that it's a space for you to go to when you need support or want to dive into next level content without feeling like you need to be using it all the time to get its value. So I hang out in the Ask Jamie section of the forum. If you have a question, need support or advice, you can come find me there. www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership. I will see you in there. Let's dive in. Here is Terry Cole. Welcome to the Kick Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm Jamie Scrimger, wife, mom, stepmom, life coach, conversation opener, and BS caller. Seven years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor with a glass of wine, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex wife. Don't get me wrong, I was madly in love. The kids were great. But as a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I was in over my head. When I went to the internet for support, I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support that I was looking for. Raw and real conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard. But each week, I'll bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to help you thrive amongst the tough stuff in life. My goal is to inspire you to live your version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. Welcome to the podcast. Again, so grateful you are taking the time. I have, you know, I've been going through your book, going through your website, all of the things that you have out there and all the resources that you have out there for everyone. And I'm just like, thank you. Thank you. Finally, someone is saying something that resonates with me and it's just. I feel like you're giving women, you're giving everyone, but giving women permission to say, you know what, this isn't working for me anymore.
1: Yes. Permission and encouraging you to, if it's not working.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I was actually re-listening to your podcast um, episode that you did with the girls over at Almost 30, and Hmm. you had said on that podcast, it said, as women, we are raised to be self-abandoning codependents. Can you be, I thought it would be a really good way to kind of talk, you know, start this episode. Can you elaborate on that? I'm sure most of us understand, but probably need a little bit of reminder.
1: Sure. I mean, think about the way that you're raised. Most of us are raised to be good girls, to be nice above all other things that you could be, right? They want you to be good. You want to be nice. Think about the phrases that we heard, right? Turn that frown around. Where's my happy girl? Right. These are all ways that we were taught that really being nice and considering the way other people feel before considering the way we feel is being generous, is being loving, is being kind, is being a good girl. You would then grow up to be a good woman. If we're talking about sort of you know traditional gender stuff. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think that does to your ability? to create boundaries right if what we're aspiring to be is as easy breezy as possible right it's like people who are like you know me no fuss like it's a badge of honor like having a preference is somehow a burden to another person mm-hmm. it really does not put us in a great position to be authentically seen and known
0: mm-hmm. so true and, and then you become the good wife and the good mom <laughs> And you know yeah. you're just there to make everyone happy and to take care of all the things, yeah, wow. I just felt exhausted just hearing you even <laughs> describe that you know it just actually this is a little bit off, but it sparked something that I had a conversation with my husband once, and he was talking about I think I was a little annoyed. we had stuff going on at the house, and there were things that we needed to do, and the kids needed to be places and you know, drinks lasted a little longer after work. And it just kind of was one of those, those nights. And and I was pretty pissed and I was <laughs> setting some boundaries about that. And it made me think about what he had said. He said, you know, so-and-so's wife doesn't care when he does that, or so-and-so's wife doesn't care if he comes home. And it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, then so-and-so's wife needs to set some boundaries or say that that's <sighs> not okay because, you know, this is, it becomes a bit of a deal breaker. It becomes being taken advantage of. So, yeah, it just made definitely made me think about that, and then you know that's a really great segue into a huge topic I want to talk about is like codependency, mm-hmm. and uh, again, it kind of feels like this hot word going around right now online, which is great. I, mm-hmm. it's interesting because I never, I never thought of myself as a codependent or having an issue with codependency until I dove into the definition, and I was like, mm-hmm. whoa that is such an issue for me and it's such mm-hmm. an issue for so many women. Can you dive into, for those who maybe not haven't done you know, the work and figuring out like, what does that mean? Can you share a little bit about what, what it yeah. is?
1: Sure. I mean, I actually, because my clientele and the women who follow me usually are pretty of the high functioning variety, very capable, very competent, so when I first became a psychotherapist, after basically running a talent agency, I decided I wanted to do something different, and I wasn't happy anymore. So I, turned, you know, I went back to school, went to NYU, got my master's, became a therapist. And when I would see codependent interactions with my clients, I would say, "Hey, this is what I'm observing," and they, I could see how they were like, "Oh no, no, I'm not codependent, dude. Everyone depends on me. I'm <laughs> the one." controlling all the things, making the money, driving kids. I know when people have to go to the dentist. I know, you know, I'm making sure we have all the things. I'm keeping the emotional ship and the the energetic ship running. Trust me, I'm not dependent on anyone. And I was like, ah, they don't identify with this, even though it is what I am mm-hmm. observing. Because if we think about codependency, there was Mel- Melody Bates, writes, you know, seminal text, codependent no more. But there was a lot of stuff in codependent no more that meant, you know, you had to be an enabler, you had to be involved with someone who was an addict or a gambler or something like that. And again, my clients didn't really identify with that. And I was like, you know, I think this is a new breed of codependency because it's the breed that the really the strain of codependency that I suffered from. And so I renamed it high functioning codependency. And suddenly (laughs) when I started describing it, which I will do for you guys now, my clients were like, oh, my God, yes, that's totally me. So it's being overly invested in the feeling states, the outcomes, the decisions, circumstances of the people in your life to the detriment of your own internal peace, um, your financial or physical well-being. So if you're listening to that and being like, I still don't know what you mean, I'm going to give you an example. (laughs) If you're wondering if it's you, if you your best friend is in a situation, your partner is in a situation, a situation that needs, quote unquote, fixing in your mind, how urgent does that situation feel to you? Does their problem become essentially your problem in your own mind? Do you feel overly responsible for getting to that solution, whatever it may be? because that is a codependent reaction to someone you love being in pain. If you are endlessly giving advice that people aren't asking for, or even if they are, if you're always the helper, if you're always the one over-giving, overdoing, over-functioning, half of the time we're over because most of us have some part of empath, highly sensitive person going on as well. So in my estimation, That's high functioning codependency, because we make it look easy, because people wouldn't look at us and think we were dependent. So it's like we're doing all the things, but backwards and in heels, right? What they say about Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, she did everything Fred Astaire did except backwards and in heels. So it's like that. And we are decision makers, getting things done, but we're doing all of it. Eventually, it is at the expense of ourselves. Because nobody has that amount of bandwidth. Nobody. You just don't. So, what is ending up on the last part of the list is us taking care of ourselves, nurturing ourselves, and being honest, right? Hey, the, like we can't give advice to the same friend who's in the same situation, whether she's complaining about the same crap in her marriage or the same whatever. Like we could be a receptacle for that toxicity or send her all the love books in the world or find her a therapist or do all the things we think we can do. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that's not our side of the street.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Do you find that people are typically codependent in all of their relationships? Like, is it just their personality trait or do they tend to do it with certain relationships?
1: You know, both. I feel like if you're naturally... A helper, a do-gooder, kind of I am naturally. I was not discriminating. That's <laughs> all I can say about who the hell I was codependent with. <laughs> like it could be anybody. If you had a problem, I was in for the solution, whatever it was. But you, a lot of times, um, you can be more vulnerable to it in. Uh, romantic relationships, depending on your history, depending on your own psychological blueprints, right? This this is the data in our unconscious mind of what we've experienced. So it's not like, you know how they say in yoga, how you do everything is how you do anything. I don't really think, this, from a psychological point of view, I don't necessarily subscribe to that everywhere because I feel like you could have really good, decent boundaries at work and yet then be sort of a boundary disaster in your romantic life, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. No, for sure. You talk a lot about is—is is it cleaning out the basement? You mm-hmm. need to go to go to your basement when you're, you know, looking at your codependent tendencies. You're setting boundaries with people in your life, and that resonates so much with me because when I first was going through and learning about codependency and realizing that I was a freaking disaster and taking on <laughs> all of. The extra stress that was coming in our co-parenting relationship, trying to manage everything between the two households, trying to make sure that my, you know, dad was okay and my sister was okay. And, you know, you talk about a friend who had relationship issues. I was, it it felt like I was getting divorced. Like I literally Mm -hmm. was all in for all of everything. And I was so anxious and so overwhelmed. And I went back to my childhood and just started like diving into what that was really like and what I thought was Mm -hmm. a really healthy relationship with my dad even was really the beginning of those codependent tendencies. And it was so crazy when I was going through the book and you're like, you have to go to your basement. Like, you know, what did you learn? Like what lessons have you been taught over and over? And the messaging that you have, it's like, whoa, you like to, you like to just say your past doesn't, you know, dictate your future, but wow. Mm. Like does it ever,
1: Oh, of course it does. And, you know, James. think about what we're really talking about with codependency. Codependency is really an overt or a covert bid for control.
0: Mm-hmm. Control freak right
1: here. Totes, totes. totes. Yeah. Because we don't want that friend making that mistake. We don't want this person to be in pain. We don't want, we don't want, we don't want for other people. Mm-hmm. But again, I had a very painful and yet massively revolutionary experience with one of my sisters being in a terrible relationship and being an abusive and living in the woods and having no running water, like bad, bad, bad. And I remember crying to my therapist about it, being like, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do? I didn't even know I could opt out of that drama. I didn't even know. I thought it was just my job as a sister Mm -hmm. to just not give up sort of. And my therapist was like, let me ask you something. What makes you think that you know what your sister needs to learn in this lifetime? And I was like, well, I mean, I think we can agree that she doesn't need to learn it in a fucking house in the woods without running water with an abusive (laughs) guy. You know, I was like, can we agree on that? And she said, no, because I'm not God and I don't know how or what she needs to learn. But I can tell you something else is going on. And I was like, all right, well clue me in, because I have no idea, (laughs) because I couldn't stop, you know? Mm -hmm. And she said, Tara, you've worked really hard to create a harmonious life. You know, you've been in therapy for decades, and your sister's dumpster fire of a life is really messing with the pain, with the uh, peace that you've created. So what you really want is to fix her, quote unquote, so she can stop messing with your internal peace. And I was like, wow, man, that's... Holy crap, that is true. All of yeah. that was so true. That is why I'm here. <laughs> I, yeah. Thank you. But I also felt very let off the hook because I didn't realize. She's like, I was like, wait, so you're saying I don't have to do this? She's like, Tara, not only do you not have to, it's impossible. You can't learn someone else's life lessons, no matter how much you boss them around or how much money you throw at it. She has to come to this. And I was able to step back from the relationship. So I was like, I can't listen to you talk about the abuse anymore. And I did step back. We only spoke a few times in like nine months. But I did say before I stepped back, hey, if you ever really want to get out and get sober and do your thing, I'm still your person, you know. But you have to really be sure that's what you want. And about nine months later, she's like, help. I want out. I was like, great. And that was decades ago. And she's been sober and happy and not in abusive relationships after that. So she came to it really on her own. And the thing about being highly codependent, it's like, think about what we're really doing. It's like centering ourselves in the problems of others. Like all of these realizations in my 20s were so painful because I was like, wait, what do you mean? I'm just like Mother Teresa. What are you you saying? What's happening? Like it was really painful. (laughs) Exactly. I'm just a lover like that. When I really got what was happening is that to really be loving to my sister— was to treat her with the respect that her life is hers to run and mine is mine to run. So therefore I needed to put a limit on my contact while she was in an actively abusive relationship with the offer that if she ever wanted out, I would help her, you know, and that was painful, but I also felt so relieved. I was like, wait a minute. So it's not for me to fix because of course you can't control someone else, but Codependency says you must.
0: Wow. I would love to hear your thoughts on situations that a lot of stepmoms find themselves in, because my audience is primarily stepmoms. And, you know, so stepmom comes in, she you know gets married, has a new partner, they have kids, and uh, there's this ex and there's high conflict, or maybe she doesn't feel like her partner is addressing the situation the way that he or she should, or they should be doing this, or she can do this to solve the issue. And a lot of stepmoms basically go all in to insert themselves because, you know, it is, it does become their issue too, because they're in this partnership. However, it's not really between them. And the stepmom almost, and I'm saying the stepmom as in, hello, this was me, almost cares more or puts more effort forward than their partner does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think that's where a lot of stepmoms struggle with because it's like, oh, am I codependent here? But this is my issue because it does affect my life, but it's actually not. And it comes back to that feeling that they end up feeling resentful and overwhelmed and like they're good enough Mm -hmm. until they're not. And Like they try to do all of these things, but no one seems to care about the effort that they're putting in. And it's exhausting.
1: It is, but you have to look at the motivation for putting it in. And you're talking about a triangle. So a lot of times, and I'm a stepmom, Mm -hmm. I have three sons. And because my husband was a widower when we met, I didn't, I wasn't contending with an ex, but just, you're still contending with the memory of someone. And you know, Mm -hmm. there's other, there's different issues that you're dealing with. But what you're talking about is triangulation. So when you're high-functioning, you you want to come in and be a part of the solution. But what you're doing is inserting yourself into this conflicted, never-figured-out, in many cases, dyad of the two people who got divorced. Mm-hmm. So I, I say, listen, you do the best that you can to have it be harmonious for the kid's sake. But absolutely taking over and not letting the you know being the main person communicating and all of that crap i would not do that because what what triangulation is right it's it's this dysfunctional obtuse way of communicating so a lot of times then the ex if they're angry is going to be displacing that aggression on you because they wanted to get back to their ex their ex spouse it's like there's all of this stuff it can be harmonious, but no, if you're, if you're going into a blended family situation, first things first, go in with your eyes wide open. People are human beings and even decent people have weaknesses and act like idiots sometimes. So know that if there is an, an X where there's difficulty with the X, you've got to have conversations with your person that they need to work that out. Like they, they need to do their best. And if not, then have limited contact or only communicate through email or whatever. I mean, listen, you, you want there to be an easy flow for the kids, of course, as, as best as possible. But again, when you over-function, other people under-function. And they're like, oh, look, she's got it all figured out. And you're like, but I don't because I need you people to participate in this. I, I need collaboration. But when you have a tendency to be a high-functioning codependent, you're also used to doing things yourself. And you're used to doing things your way. And you're used to having probably pretty strong thoughts and ideas about the way things should be done, even <laughs> if you never had kids, so meaning you never bore children. That is really important to know what you're going into, right? And, and to get clear. I also think having house rules is all important, like having rules of engagement that you guys can all sit around and sort of agree upon. I don't mean the ex. I just mean the blended family, when everyone Mm -hmm. is in this house, these are our rules. Because when you're blending families, you're blending traditions, you're blending experiences, you're blending lives. And so there has to be um, a consideration. And then, of course, hopefully we want to come up with some new traditions that nobody did anywhere else, that this is now going to be some new traditions too. But you want to be sensitive to little kids that, you know, what they understand and what is familiar is very comforting to them. So th- there's a lot to to step into and also expecting kids to do their part. They want to be a part of things. Even if they don't act like they want to do their chores, they need to have something that makes them be inputting. You know, and a lot of times there's guilt from w- when someone's getting a divorce so if your spouse feels guilty, they maybe go really light on the kids because they feel like they somehow failed by their merit. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of psychological crap that can go on that then trickles down to kids. And I feel like my own experience, like, you can't expect much from kids. You, you It can't be about what you need. You can't need them to regard you in a particular way. I went out of my way to sort of be like, oh, okay, well, you're only 14 years younger than me. So uh, I think I'm going to be more like a bossy big sister to this one. And then I saw what the younger boys needed. And I was like, okay, I'm really going to be like a mom to these kids. And I like loved my husband so much. I was like, he could have 27 teenagers. I would have been like, this is going to be amazing. Of <laughs> course. So you get teenagers. in there and you're like, oh, my God. Yes, Ooh. they were young teens kind of when I came in. But you have to look at your own motivations and what are you seeking as as a step parent or a bonus mom, as I'd prefer to be called, um, because there's something cozier about that. It doesn't have to threaten the bio mom if she's still around, you know, is being clear about my own motivation because I knew trust takes time because I'm a therapist Mm-hmm. So I don't expect, I didn't expect them to just trust me off the bat. Cause why would they just be consistent in your behavior, in the way you regard them? I expected them to be respectful. And when they weren't, I said so. And, but you always have to be the parent. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not like, they're not like friends you're fighting with, right? These, these are children, even if they're teenagers, they're minor children, and I had to remind myself of that so many times because you know how teen boys can be just such jerks, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't then be like, "Well, what about you?" Like, you have to be the grown up and say, "Well, this is not very productive." And I would say to one of my kids, you know, "You just asked me. Let me let me just clarify what just happened. You just asked me for a favor. You understand a favor is voluntary." So you want me to drive you to Billy's. And I will make a simple request that you back up and change that tone of voice, realizing this, I'm a volunteer in the <laughs> driving you anywhere, right? Like I don't have to do that. So yeah. back it up, treat me with the same respect that I treat you with. Well, I didn't do anything, you did though. And I'm saying to you, all I'm asking from you is treat me with the same respect that I treat you with. And they really generally did. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I was very loving and understanding, but I also took no shit from anybody yeah. because it wasn't my deal. But again, you have to have this agreement with your partner because every person is different. In a lot of blended families, you'll have the bio parent be the one disciplining their bio children, if it's blended family like that, right? If you're coming in as a stepmom and you don't have children that you're, you were bringing to the mix, you have to have an agreement i knew that my husband was very open to me just just being all in like you said like this was mm-hmm. like my destiny my dharma my life i was like oh look here are these people they're my people i'm doing this but that also meant i could only do that if i had the freedom to interact with them in an authentic way and not be afraid. I mean, it was still scary because teenagers are scary, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. didn't want my husband to be like, why are you doing that? And he was like, oh my God, please. I'm um, so I've been alone for so many years, do anything, go for it. Help me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I think Help.
0: that's how stepmoms feel good enough until they're not too, if they don't have that agreement on how they're going mm-hmm. to go about doing things. Yeah, no, that's so helpful. And I love that you said you can't expect anything from kids. <laughs> that is just, no. you have to go in without it's, those expectations. Because it's just, just so like being true. a
1: therapist. Just mm-hmm. like being a therapist. You can't need anything from your clients. Mm-hmm. As a stepmom, you can't need anything. You can require respect, mm-hmm. decency, you know, effective, you know you, you know, you don't have to put up with crap. Because you have no expectation. When I when I mean no expectation, I mean, you know, you have blended families where the father's like, now, the, call this person mommy. Like, yeah, about what I that mean, relationship's going to
0: look like. You can't force anything. Mm-mm. No, I would love to just go back for one second. You were we were talking about um, just the the codependency piece and the the stepmoms going all in. Mm-hmm. What is your thoughts on there? There are so many situations where stepmoms will say. I am so overwhelmed and I feel frustrated because I'm constantly doing the communicating, but it overwhelms my husband too much to do it or it stresses him out too much or yeah, uh, it's, it's not as productive.
1: What's your messaging okay. to them? Just stop being a perfectionist. Stop controlling your husband and he'll grow the skills. Hi, you know what? Necessity is the mother of invention, people. Mm-hmm. You know? So part of it is, would it be the way you would do it? No. It won't, it won't be as efficient or as effective as the way that you're doing it. But do you want to be in a triangle like that forever? Because that's what you're setting up. Mm-hmm. So the the deal is send your partner to handle it. Have them go to a communication specialist for one session if they can afford it. Look online. Mm-hmm. Communication is incredibly important for the kids, of course. And making it as smooth as possible is what All the adults, right? What what, what binds us together when we have any kind of blended situation? Love of the kids and love of each other, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So my feeling is step back. It's okay to say, hey, I've been doing this and I realize I don't really think it's that healthy. I don't think it's that productive. What I said to my, my fam, I got them into therapy immediately. I said to my husband, like, I love you. This is amazing. And like, there's no way I'm staying. If we don't, if like you don't get into therapy with everyone immediately, like I don't have the skill to do it, I'm too close. And he was like, okay. So family therapy, and it was like sometimes I'd be in there, but a lot of times I wasn't. Most of the time I wasn't. I mean, we would go in as a family, but I'd say four out of six times it would be Vic with the boys because I was not a part of what needed to be healed. Yes, we need plans for the future, but what needed to be healed with four men living together for all those years, their their mom died when they were little kids, there was a lot that needed to be healed that I couldn't heal. And so I didn't want to center myself in the middle of that process. And I was there when it was appropriate, but it was, I wasn't there. It wasn't about me. And as much as they were awkward and it was terrible and incredibly painful, I was like, right, but super necessary. Go to it. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) I was not a part of what needed to be healed. That right there. That is.
1: I wasn't at the scene of the crime. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. No, I totally, I totally do. So, you know, now we have these stepmoms who are like, okay, now I got to change some things up now. Maybe this isn't working. You know, this is affecting how I'm showing up for my family, which, you know, by the way, I, I do feel the woman in the house sets the vibe for like we have an energy to us. And when, when the mother figure in a home is feeling depleted and overwhelmed and resentful, mm-hmm. everyone picks yeah. up on that energy in a huge way. So, you know, you say, say you have this step in saying, okay, I need to kind of take a step back and I need to set some boundaries. What's the first step in recognizing where boundaries need to be set?
1: You can just do a very simple resentment inventory. Just, just write down, what are you feeling constricted about, underappreciated, resentful, angry? What circumstances? Just bring to mind the top five, like stuff that happened in the past, whenever, whenever it is. And that will tell you where you need to start to put your attention. And keep in mind, you can always draw boundaries with kindness. Mm-hmm. You can always change this dance that you've been doing. You're not stuck in this dance, this boundary dance. If it's disordered and you're exhausted and feel like, wow, I wish I hadn't done it this way, that's okay. One, of, You know, I have this thing, Boundary Boss Bill of Rights in the front of the book. Mm-hmm. And one of the Bill of Rights is you have a right to course correct, make mistakes, and change your mind. So you thought that was the way to go. You're now thinking there's probably a better way to go and you can slowly but surely go that better way. Step back a little bit, talk to your partner. But when you get that list together where you're like, wow, I'm really angry at that maybe it's about emotional labor. Maybe you're doing way more than your share. And even if you're offering to do it, because what happens is we overfunction and then we feel underappreciated. We do things people don't ask us to do, and then we're like, they didn't even notice that I did that thing. Okay, well, <laughs> stop doing stuff you cannot do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm not saying don't do nice things for kids. That's not what I mean. I mean talk true, meaning we have to have real conversations about how we're feeling. Yeah. And for many of us who have the disease to please, who are raised as people pleasers, who are, you know, seeking validation outside of ourselves or can't stand conflict. It's almost like we would rather live a life where we're like bitter than face having a hard conversation. But I promise you, learning the language of boundaries is just like learning any language. And you can do it. And there's a way to do it with love. There's a way to do it little baby steps at a time. So there's no grabbing a megaphone and like letting everybody know there's a new boundary sheriff in town. There's no need, right? It's not necessary. We change our boundary dance even slightly, the people we're dancing with cannot continue to do the same thing. Like that's how we change. And when we're codependent, I, I don't know, when I when I was really actively codependent in my 20s, like I wanted to announce everything. You know
0: what I mean? I'm setting wanted- boundaries now. I read this book and I saw this yep. post on Instagram, and now I'm setting boundaries. Yep. So I will no longer be doing like <laughs> yeah. insert eye roll.
1: Exactly. I would just, it, there was something too scary about just doing the thing. But if we want to do it, we just have to do the thing. And if you don't know how to do the thing, go to BoundaryBossBook.com or you can buy it anywhere, but I have all my bonuses at BoundaryBossBook.com. Mm-hmm. Buy the book. And it, it is a step-by-step guide yeah. of how how do you begin? Because it's, you always start in, you know, Jamie, it's, it's not about out It's always in to understand like, huh, why do I relate the way I do? Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And when we reveal that basement material, as you had said before, Mm -hmm. we go, oh, so there's nothing wrong with me. Because my clients would be so hard on themselves. My therapy clients would be like, I must be weak. How could I be here again? What's wrong with me? I was going to say something and I didn't. I'm like, nobody taught you how to do it. Nothing's wrong with you. You just need to learn, just like you would need to learn a language. And that's exactly the frame, a helpful frame to look at it through, you know?
0: Yeah. So when you're saying, you know, baby steps, is it a matter of, say, you are a stepmom who gets maybe a high-conflict email from the ex? Is it as simple as not responding or just, you know, saying, you know, I think you should talk to you know, your partner about it and just kind of those little baby steps and kind of setting those boundaries? Or is it something bad? I would
1: definitely opt out of, I would definitely opt out of a high conflict email from the ex coming just to you. No, no,
0: yeah.
1: I would say I would warn my partner, Hey, this is, I've really been doing research on this and how I'm feeling about it. This is unhealthy. I don't think I should be the point person with your ex. I, it really is between the two of you. And she's playing this out with me. And then I'm getting sucked into this triangle that is not helpful for anyone. It's not not doing what we want it to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to hand this baton back. Um, and you and I, I'm, I'm happy to brainstorm with you when we have decisions to make. And I want to, but I can't be the point person. And I don't, it's not appropriate. And I just thought it was, but I feel like that was just the control freak in me wanting to handle it all. And I realize now it's just not the, it's not the way to go. So <laughs> I, love that. I got this email. Oh yeah. Then you can write it back to her and say, hey, I've spoken to Bob, and I forwarded this email to him, as I am. I really feel like it makes more sense and is more appropriate and healthier for you guys to talk directly about the kids, especially when there's high conflict. It doesn't make sense for me to be inserted in the middle of that thing. But what's required, though, Jane? So you can say that or not say that. See what your partner thinks about it. You can forward the email and just say, "Let's talk about this." I'm I'm st- stepping out of this role, mm-hmm. but. Like, you you don't need to necessarily – like, I would talk to your partner first before you say anything to the ex. Um, But I do think it's okay to go on record as saying, this is really for you guys to work out.
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: Yep. And me being in the middle is just prolonging it and then stressing the crap out of me, which is not helping anyone. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you couldn't work it out when you were together. If you can't work it out here, go to mediation. Go to therapy together, even if they're exes. Because really – I would I would always bring it back to because obviously the the highest most important thing to all of us is the well-being of the kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cuz who can argue with that? We want to be like, no, but actually I want to be spiteful more than I care about what's happening to them. Like <laughs> she, would, she or he would have to admit There might
0: be some people <laughs> listening be like, well, sometimes it seems like that. But what if you're, you know, I know there's people who are nervous to set boundaries or fearful about setting boundaries and they're nervous mm-hmm. about what that reaction is going to be. Well, my, if I say that to my husband, he's going to be pissed or whatever, whatever their fear is. I think people sometimes think that when they set these boundaries, it's going to be an easy conversation and everything is just supposed to just work really well Uh,
1: afterwards. Hey, Jamie, you know what? That's definitely not what they think. No. Well, I think some people worry, think
0: they should. It should be (laughs) like that and their partner won't do it that way. And they're maybe seeing other people talk about boundaries. It's like, no, it's freaking hard.
1: It is. But here's the thing. We do all of this work up front. So your fear of setting boundaries or having a hard conversation. Most of the time, that is a child's fear, right? We learned, don't stir the pot, don't start trouble, don't be a troublemaker, don't make noise, kids should be seen and not heard, blah, blah, blah. So part of it is we got to get good within ourselves, which is keeping our side of the street clean, going into the basement. I give you all these tools in the book to figure out, am I having a transference to my partner right now? Am I really feeling fearful of him? Or is he, you know, representative of my punitive father? Like, I give you these tools in the book to be able to identify, like, wow, okay. This is, I'm really not that afraid of him. I was afraid of my father. And now any confrontation reminds me of that situation. So I need to assure my child within that everything is okay. And however you approach your person is how what you say is going to be received. So we practice it first. We really clear our energy. We start with appreciation. Hey, listen, I so appreciate that you've been doing blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. I feel really seen. I love that. Thank you. And I'd like to make a simple request that if you're going to be more than 15 minutes late, you let me know because that really screws up my timing when you don't. And we had this conversation a month ago. So can you please agree? that if you're going to be more than 15 minutes late, you'll let me know. Cause you know how I love my schedule, whatever like you can. What be if funny. they don't
0: agree? What if they say they're okay with these boundaries and then it, their actions speak otherwise?
1: Then you, that's when we have to then attach a consequence. So we start with making the request. Um, and then we tell them what the consequence is going to be. So if you, Hey, this is the third time in two months that you haven't told me you were going to be late. So, if it happens again, we're not waiting on dinner for you. we're going to eat without you, and you can heat up your own food mm-hmm, Now it. that is an appropriate consequence, right? We don't like lose our minds, we don't give some crazy ultimatum but and for some people, so that may not sound like a big deal, but it is you're changing something you're like, listen, me being here and eating with the kids or whatever it is that you're doing, making food for you that's like a luxury like i don't I don't have to do that and I've asked you, you agreed, you have not kept your word. So therefore I'm not, I'm not waiting for you if it happens again. Mm -hmm. And they may not care. Mostly they will. I think most people will though, because you know, that is a luxury. If they don't care, then, then you start to really see who you're dealing with because what boundaries do is they reveal what people are willing to do and capable of doing. And we don't know that unless we make boundary requests and we have to know our own right what what are our own preferences desires limits and deal breakers because those are your boundaries
0: mm-hmm. i read somewhere that you said if your relationship ends or your partner isn't you know willing to change the dance based on boundaries that's probably a good thing <laughs> like if they're going to just leave and up and leave because you you've set these boundaries then you might want to kind of ha- i don't know how you word it obviously very gracefully have a, you know, reevaluate that relationship in the first place.
1: I mean, that's giving you straight up data to make decisions with. And I think a lot of us are afraid to find out that mm-hmm. information. But isn't it better if you're talking about young relationships or new relationships? I promise you it's better to find it out sooner than later. And again, not everything comes to an ultimatum. But the, the more you prioritize your own preferences or try to get your needs met, the more the person actually knows you, right? Mm-hmm. It, there's nothing, nobody deserves a star for being easy breezy all the time. And why does having a preference make us not easy? It's not true. Yeah. So when someone's like, you know, what, what do you want to eat tonight? Oh, anything, anything's fine with me. It's all great with me. whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want. Again, have you even thought about it? because sometimes for some things in life, I don't care. Like I actually don't care. My husband's going to get a car. He's like, do you care what color? I didn't even want to be there. I was like, don't care what color, don't care what car, just make sure it works. Like, Mm -hmm. but that's not because I'm trying to be nice to him. That's actually because I don't care. So we need to be clear about, are we acquiescing to what others want all the time as a way of being a people pleaser? Right. And where is it that we really just don't, want to have to make the decision or we don't feel like it, that's different because the ones where we're abandoning ourselves and we actually do have a desire or a preference that we're not talking about, that is cumulative, you know, that, that builds up and you become resentful.
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then you're so far in and you don't even know where to start when it comes to setting those boundaries.
1: Just for anyone who feels that way right now, you're listening and you're like, oh, forget it. I'm screwed. I've done it all wrong. You haven't. All we want to start with is stop the insta yes, just stop giving anyone an immediate yes answer unless it involves minor children and like the kids need an immediate answer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean, or your house is on fire maybe, and the person wants to know if you want to leave yes, the answer is yes, generally, <laughs> besides that, there are no emergencies. people just want us to think there are or we feel that we feel all this internal pressure to like get another thing off my plate. gotta answer that question. So if, for the next five to seven days, no saying instant yes to anything. Someone asks you, hey, you guys want to go to the concert in the park on Sunday? Go, hey, that is so nice of you to think of us. I'm going to check my calendar and I'll go back to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Or if you're me, I hate outside music. No, thanks. But you know, enough. we're not saying no or <laughs> yes in the instant, because here's the thing. When you can stop the insta yes, it is so much easier to go back if what you need to really deliver is a no. And I give you all these scripts in the book, don't worry. You don't have to come up with your own words, but that is one exercise. If you don't know where to start, just stop the insta yes and see how you feel. Mm
0: -hmm. The insta yes and the resentment checklist, I feel like are the two two big things. Yep. Wow, this is great. (laughs) So the last thing I really wanted to dive into is Boundaries for someone who has anxiety mm-hmm. because I think often, you know, I had this conversation in my membership with a stepmom who said, you know, I'm doing the therapy and, you know, I'm taking my meds, I'm doing I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but I'm still super anxious. And I don't know what else to do. And I immediately was like, you know, boundaries. And like, what, what are you allowing into your life? What are you allowing into mm-hmm. your space? So do you have any uh, insight on that to, to share?
1: Well, a lot of the times, I, I do, of course, because anxiety is such a common experience of people in therapy. But I, want, I would want that person to think about, what are you actually anxious about? So, because there's different kinds of anxiety, some people you just have low level anxiety all the time, right? Generalized anxiety disorder that's kind of what it is There's no precipitating event necessarily. This is just how you you hum along in life. It's how you're wired. So that is one thing to fix. How do we self soothe meditation? Get a breathing app that would help you more than anything. If you do not do any mindful breathing, there's a free app that Deepak and Tommy Rosen put out called the called. Oh, I think it's just called the Breathe app. It's free. It's it's a gray ball on in the app store. You'll see it. Guided meditations. You don't have to become a meditator. Forget your perfectionist because I know you all got it. You don't. One guided meditation in the morning. Mm-hmm. Just just click just click on the thing. I, I have actually I'll give you guys a gift called calm in the storm
0: oh, um
1: you. yes so hold on you can go to on that page where are you all right it's cold. Uh, boundaryboss.me forward slash stepmom is that a good name for your perfect name? all right so th- that's where you guys can find that and i have another gift for you about codependency there so it's Amazing. a whole way that you can determine your own level of codependency right now because it can be tricky to whatever. Yeah. So that, that's where you're going. Kuna and, okay. Perfect. You are on back. it. I am. So anyway, back to the anxious stepmom, because here's the thing. A lot of times we feel this low grade anxiety or high anxiety, but we're denying, avoiding, repressing, suppressing what it's actually about. So journal, <laughs> like, what are you anxious about? Do a mind dump in the morning. Because this will help you make the distinction between is this how you're wired or is there so much fear around the things you need to do on a daily basis? Like you said, if your boundaries are a total disaster, do you worry about every interaction where you're going to have to have a hard interaction with someone and say no or tell them to back up or say we're not doing that because that's our holiday? And we can't give it to you even though you're asking, even though you shouldn't be because we have a legal document that says it's our holiday. (laughs) Like you're going to have all the things that go on. So it's very important because if she or anyone listening, if we can identify, it's almost like doing the resentment inventory. Mm -hmm. If you go, okay, what right now, if I think about what am I anxious about, just let it dump out of your mind. Because some of those things you can do something about. And some of those things just require better self-care. Mm-hmm. Meditate, breathe, take a bath, step back. Don't feel like you have to do it all. Stop overfunctioning. Stop triangulating with your your husband or your wife's ex. All of those things.
0: Mm-hmm. So true. I have a uh, there's a part in the course that I have for step moments where I say, go through your stressors and what what do you have control over and what do you not have control over? And then the things that you don't have control over how are you going to be proactive in your reaction and set those boundaries beforehand so that you don't have that emotional reaction when it happens? Because it's those emotional reactions that spark our anxiety. Then we, you know, respond in ways that, you know, the next morning we wake up and we're like, that was maybe not my shiniest moment. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I love that. It really is. It's a brain dump and a good list is so, so helpful.
1: Yeah. This was so much fun.
0: This is so good. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time so much and the gifts for the community. I know that everyone is going to love this episode. So thank you so much, yes, Terry. Where can you're everyone so
1: welcome? Where can everyone find you? Well, you can find the book and the boundary quiz if you want to know what your boundary archetype is and a bunch of other things at boundarybossbook.com. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Instagram is where I hang out the most, just at Terry Cole. I have a podcast that I've had for six years. I just passed two million downloads. It's kind of exciting. Exciting, Congrats. It's called the Terry Cole Show, and I put out, I mean, weekly content and have for six years, I think. Yeah. So if you're if you're like I don't know about boundaries, you can go to my YouTube channel, and there's probably a hundred videos that will for free with lead magnets, meaning with little downloadable guides and whatever. So. There isn't, and I mean, of course, I'd rather you buy my book, but here's the thing maybe you can't buy my book. And if you can't, go to YouTube, listen to the podcast. There, I have so much out there to help you. Do not lose hope because no matter how dark it may seem right now, no matter what you're going through, you are not that fragile and you absolutely can do this, but you don't need to do it all.
0: Mm-hmm. So good. Thank you so much, Terry. That's it for this one, guys. I am so happy that you took time to join and have these important conversations. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so that you get updated when new episodes are released. And if you are craving more and you're looking for personalized support and connection, be sure to check out the exclusive Stepmom community. Not only can you get individualized support from me in the Ask Jamie section of the forum, but you can connect with Stepmoms from 30 plus countries around the world and have access to content that I don't share anywhere else www.jamiescrimster.com forward slash membership. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll chat with you next week.